Our reading today is taken from Matthew chapter 15, starting at verse 21. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came and knelt before him. Lord, help me, she said. He replied, It's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, Lord, she said. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed at that moment. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This this story, the story of uh, Jesus and the Canaanite woman, is found in uh, here in Matthew 15 and also in Mark chapter 7. This is probably my least favorite story about Jesus in the Bible. Hope that doesn't sound irreverent. I don't mean it that way. It's just that it, what, what happens in this story it seems so out of character for Christ. Uh, a, a woman uh, with a genuine need in her family, she comes to Jesus, she cries out to him for help, and he seemingly ignores her. It's like he's not even paying attention. And then he openly admits to his disciples that the reason he's not helping this woman is, is because of her ethnic background. And, you know, that doesn't sit well with us. And then when the, the woman pushes Christ a little and, and, and asks again for help, he tells her a parable that sounds as if he is comparing her to a dog. Now, yeah, I know the scholars will tell us that it, it, it sounds a lot worse in English than it did in Greek, that in Greek he doesn't use an ugly word for dog, he uses a word kind of for puppy or for a household pet. You know, I've, I've heard that before. It just, that doesn't seem to satisfy me. I just, I don't, I, I don't like this story very much because in his dealings with this worm, woman, Jesus seems so harsh. So... I don't like this story, but I want you to know, I'm so glad. I mean, I am super glad this story is in the Bible, and I'll tell you why. Because sometimes it can feel as if God is being harsh with us. Have you ever felt that way? You're praying for something, it seems to be God's will, and you're not getting any answers. It's like he's ignoring you. He's not caring for your needs. Maybe very hard, painful, heartbreaking things are happening in your life. Maybe you observe people who seem to be serving God a lot less than you are, but who also seem to be blessed a lot more than you are. Have you ever felt like God is just being harsh with you? If you felt that way, let me tell you. This is a great story for you to turn to because the, the, the woman in this story, the Canaanite woman, she responds to Christ's apparent harshness with what Jesus calls great faith. Verse, verse 28, it, it says, Then Jesus said to her, Woman, you have great faith. Now, why does he say that? What, what, what is it about this woman's faith that he considers to be great? 
Well, I, I would say this. this. This woman shows us that when it seems like God is being harsh toward you, that there, there are three truths about God that you just need to keep trusting. Three things about God you need to hold on to. And, and the first is this. When you feel like God is being harsh, He's not listening, He's not, he's not answering your prayer, you need to trust God's listening ear. You need to trust that He's listening. You see, you see the, the fact that God is not answering you, it doesn't mean He's not listening. Si- silence is not the same as apathy. Let, let, let me read uh, the, the part of this passage for, for us again. Uh, starting at verse 21, Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Canaanite woman came from that vicinity came to him, crying out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is demon-possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. So his disciples came to him and urged him, Send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Verse 24, Jesus answered, send who away? Who's crying out after us? I, I don't hear anyone. What are, what are you talking about? Now, that's not what he says, right? No, that's not what he says. Verse 24, he answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, now, I'm going to break down that verse in, in, in a few minutes, but I want you to notice that the answer that Jesus gives his disciples indicates that he was not unaware of that woman's presence. He he wasn't ignoring her cries for help. In in fact, not only was Jesus not unaware of her presence, you get the impression he was actively thinking about her. He doesn't doesn't have to ask his disciples who they're referring to. He knows exactly who they're talking about. And and it seems that he's been thinking about this woman. He's been thinking about the fact that that she's a Gentile. He's been thinking about how that fact relates to the Father's mission for him at that moment in time. In other words, he's been thinking about in what ways, if any, he might be able to help that woman. So, though Christ's silence perhaps gave the impression that he was ignoring this woman, the reality was from the moment, from the second she began to cry out to him, this woman was on his mind. In other words, he was listening to her. So so even though he was silent, he was listening. Psalm 34, verse 15. I love this verse. It says this, The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are are attentive to their cries. The eyes of the Lord are attentive to our cries. Believer, here's what that means. That means that God is always listening to you. When when you pray, he's listening. Now, doesn't always feel like he's listening. You you know, you might not feel like you're getting any any answer. It might seem like he's ignoring you. But what what this woman's story shows us is that... um, we need to trust God's listening ear. He is listening, even when, for the time being, he's not answering. In, in uh, Revelation chapter 5, the apostle John 
has this vision in which he sees in, in symbolic form. He's, he sees the throne room of heaven itself. He sees the Lamb of God seated on the throne. And around the throne, he sees these 24 majestic beings, the 24 elders, they are called. And each one of these elders is, is holding a, a huge bowl filled with incense. And the smoke from this incense is just going up before the throne of God. And John says in Revelation 5, These bowls of incense are the prayers of God's people. And symbolically, what's that saying is that all the prayers of all God's people are present in the throne room of God. It's not like some of the prayers get through, but some of them don't. And maybe he heard your prayer, but not mine. No, all the prayers of all God's people are before the throne of the Lamb. He's listening. So when it feels like God is being harsh, he's ignoring you, you're not seeing him work in your life, the first thing to trust is you trust God's listening ear. The second thing to trust, trust God's wise plan. When the disciples say to Jesus in verse 23, they said, send her away. She keeps crying out after us. I I think what they meant was, from the context, would you please just heal this woman's daughter so she'll leave us alone, all right? Jesus says to them in verse 24, it says, He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. And what he meant by that was at that moment in his life, in the Father's mission for him, he was to focus his ministry on Israel, on the Jewish people, rather than extending his work to all the various people groups of the world. You see this earlier in Matthew, Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sends his 12 disciples out two by two on sort of a short-term mission trip. And he told them in Matthew 10, verse five and six, he said, do not go among the Gentiles or enter any town of the Samaritans, go rather to the lost sheep of Israel. So at this moment in Christ's life, his, his, his ministry was to be focused on Israel. Now, when you get to the end of the book of Matthew, that changes. After the resurrection, in Matthew 28, Jesus, Jesus says to his disciples, he says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, of all the Gentiles. So, think about this. At one moment in time, Christ's ministry was primarily focused on the Jewish people. At a later moment of time, his ministry is extended to all the nations of the world. And and so uh, it seems that the reason he did not immediately respond to the needs of this Gentile woman, it's not because he didn't love her, it's not because he didn't care about her, it's not because God had no purpose for her life. No, the reason he didn't, the reason he had to kind of think about how he could help her is because, well, because God's time for helping her had not yet come. Now, there's a whole lot that could be said about the unfolding of of God's redemptive plan and how this relates to his purposes for Israel and his purposes for for the Gentile nations of the world. There's a a lot that could be said about that. But what I I want you to notice um, just from this is, is this one fact. God works according to plans. God, God has plans and his plans unfold over time, you see this throughout the Bible in the way God works with different nations, in the way he works with individuals, in the way he's working in the, in the world. You, what you discover is that God has 
seasons in his work. There are times of preparation for God. There are times of implementation. There are times of waiting. And there are times of fulfillment. God God doesn't do everything all at once. He follows plans. Galatians 4 verse 4 says, "When, When the set time had fully come, God sent his Son. Ephesians 1 verse 10 says, when when the times reach their fulfillment, God will bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Galatians 6 verse 9 says that we, we should not become weary in doing good. Why? For at the proper time we will reap a harvest if, if we do not give up. So you see, there are times and seasons in the work of God. I love this verse. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says, God has made everything beautiful in its time. So so the fact that Jesus didn't um, respond immediately to this, this woman, it doesn't mean that he would never respond to her needs. No, it means that he was following a plan. And, and what, I, what I want you to know is that God has a plan for you. A plan that will someday just make sense out of everything he's doing in your life and, and, and the reason for his timing, the reason for delays, the reason for seasons. Um, there's a novel I read years ago by Joseph O'Neill. Uh, the novel is called Netherland. And the novel tells the story, fictional story, of a Dutch financial analyst who moves to Manhattan to work in the financial service industry. And uh, as you read this story, you, you get the feeling that ev- everything that has happened, every significant thing that has happened in, in this man, man's life, has, um, it's just kind of happened by chance. Just feels very random. Like the, the major events in his life just happened for no reason at all. For example, when, when he was a little child, his father was killed in a, in, in a traffic accident, and it was just so random. I mean, if his father had left, 30 seconds earlier or 30 seconds later, his car would not have been at that intersection at that moment. He never would have been killed. It just, it just kind of happened for no reason. The, the, the man grows up. He moves to New York. He, he, one day he goes to a party. He wasn't sure he was going to go. He just, you know, works out. So he goes and he meets a woman who she wasn't sure she was going to go. And she happened to be there and, and they meet and they fall in love and they get married. She becomes his wife. If either of them had had to work late that night, they, they never would have met. Their son never would have been born. Just random. This man is a, he's a, a Dutch financial analyst, all right, but almost all of his friends in New York are Trinidadian taxi drivers because um, this man, his whole life, loved, he loved to play cricket. And one day he hailed a cab, and the cab that just happened to pull over happened to be driven by a West Indian cricket player who invited him to, to come and play cricket with, with, with their friends. And, and if you think about it, if, if that... If that cab, you know, maybe had not taken a yellow light or had, 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 had turned a different corner, it would have been a different cab that picked him up. He, he never would have known all these friends. And then 9-11 happens. And if you remember 9-11 after the attacks on our city, there were just all these stories of people who happened to survive because they were on, you know, they took a different route to get to work or people who were killed tragically because you know they were they were five minutes early just everything seemed so random and this man and his family they they lived in lower manhattan and they just happened to survive the 9-11 attacks because they happened to be 
in the right place at the right time rather than the wrong place at the wrong time. So that's that's the story. Here's this man, the, the, all these major events in his life, they have no meaning. They're just, they just seem to happen for no reason at all. After 9-11, the man's, his marriage falls apart. His wife leaves him. She goes back to Europe. She, she moves in with another man, and he's just so distraught over what has happened to him. And uh, one day he's talking with some friends about how, how just one of the things that just bothers him is that he, at home he has this big box of photographs of his family, his family life, him, his wife, his child, all, and, and it just, it just he doesn't know what to do with all these pictures because he, he can't throw them away. They're important to him, but they, they, they bring back all these feelings. And, and, and this, this woman who happened to be there, she said, you know what, give, give the photographs to me. He said, why? She, she said, I, I, love to, I love to arrange photographs for people into photo albums in, in a very special way. Just watch what I do. So he says, all right. He, he gives her the box of all, all these photographs. And about a month later, she comes back and she gives him this photo album. And it's amazing. This, this album is just, it's like it's a work of art. He can't, he can't get over how beautiful it is. And he begins to look through these photographs of his life. And the way they're arranged and the way they're displayed, it's as if these photographs are telling a story. It's as if his, his life has not been just a, a bunch of random events that took place for, no, for no, no purpose. There's kind of a narrative arc to the story of his life. His, his life is a story. It has meaning now. And, and, and he's just amazed by this, this photo album. And then he notices that in order to arrange the photographs of his life in, a, in an order that, that told a story and gave a sense of, of, of direction, this woman who made the album had been forced to leave out every picture of his ex-wife because, you know, those pictures were just too painful. They brought back such, such difficult memories. They all So she could make a story out of his life, but only if she left certain parts out. Now, why, why am I telling you this? Well, I think that in, in a certain way, God is like the woman in that story who made the photo album. Only listen, God is infinitely better. In, in John chapter 13, verse 7, Jesus said something to Peter, and, and, and I really believe this is something that Jesus says to every one of his followers. You know, you know what he said? He said this. He said, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You don't realize right now what I'm doing, but later... It will all make sense. And I, and I believe, I don't know how this will happen, but someday, somehow, God, God is going to kind of take every moment from our lives, every snapshot of time, and He's just going to put it together in a way that, that tells a story, that, that, that makes sense, that tells a story of, of, of his, his, his unfailing love at work in our life through everything. Only here's the thing. Unlike the woman in that novel, God he won't have to leave anything out. Not any, not any snapshot. He will redeem, he will redeem every moment of your life. All right? Even, even the most painful moments, the, the, the abuse you endured, the abortion you had, the, the rejection you felt, the, 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 the fearful time that kept you awake in life. He'll just take whatever is the darkest moment and he'll he will redeem every second and weave it together into, into a story God has. A plan. Now the reason the reason I say that is because if you think about it, the ugliest 
most painful, shameful moment in the history of the world was that spring day 2,000 years ago when the Son of God, the beautiful Son of God, was nailed to a cross to die. I mean, there's never been a moment in all history more senseless, meaningless, painful, ugly than that moment. And God redeemed even that moment through the resurrection. He, he took the ugliest moment in history and he redeemed it and he brought it into his plan. And he, through the resurrection, he made that moment on the cross, the crowning event in the salvation of the world. He makes all things beautiful in his time. So, so when it feels like God is just being harsh with you, he's, he's, you can't understand why things are happening. It doesn't seem to be answering your prayer. Trust his listening ear. He is listening, even if he's not talking right now. And trust his wise plan. If, Ephesians chapter 1 describes him as the God who, who, quote, works out everything in accordance with the purpose of his will. Trust his plan. So trust his listening ear. Trust his wise plan. And then one more thing we learn. Trust his heart. Trust his heart. I, I want you to imagine you have a friend who is the kindest, most generous, large-hearted, most giving person you've ever met in, in your life. Your friend is always helpful. Uh, when, when you needed to paint your apartment, there she was with her old clothes and her roller and ready to help. When you had to move, she was there loading the, loading the truck with you. When you were sick, she brought you chicken soup. That time your heart was broken, she, she listened to you pour out your, your sorrow for hours. Just listen to you. She is the kindest person you've ever met. So imagine... You've arranged to meet with this friend for lunch at, at, at 12 noon at a certain uh, outdoor cafe. You get there on time and she's not there. Five minutes later, she's still not there. Ten minutes later, she, 30 minutes go by. Your friend is still not there. Let me ask you a question. Do you, do you begin to curse your friend under your breath? Oh, she is so inconsiderate. She, how, how could she be so rude? How could she do? No, of course you, listen, of course you don't do that. Not someone like that. You give her the benefit of the doubt. I mean, you, you, you trust that there's a good reason for, for her, her delay. Why? Because you know her character. You know who she is. You know her heart. In, in, in this passage, notice that this woman, she is not deter, deterred by Christ silence. She is not offended by his words. She is not, she's not put off in any way by his reticence to, to heal her daughter. She just keeps crying out with faith, with this confident faith that he, this man will help her. Now, why, why does she do that? Well, because apparently she knows who he is. It gets the sense that this woman, she has heard certain things about Jesus See, she knows that he's the Messiah, verse, verse 22, because she calls him the son of David. That's a phrase for the Messiah. And she knows that he's very compassionate toward hurting people because she asks him for what? For mercy. She knows that he has great, great power because she tells him, freely tells him about her, her daughter's needs. And she knows, she knows that Jesus welcomes outsiders, even people like her. So, so when he says to her in, in, in verse 26, it's not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. <laughs> she, she says, and I wonder if she said this with a chuckle, oh, yes, it is, Lord. Even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. She, so, in other words, when, when it seemed like this woman was being harsh with her, 
This woman, she was not offended, she was not discouraged, she was not dissuaded, and she did not give up. Why? Because she had heard certain things about this man, Jesus. She knew his character. And even though his behavior, you, you know, maybe it didn't make a lot of sense right then in the moment. She gave Jesus the benefit of the doubt. Why? Because she trusted his heart. Trusted his heart. She didn't understand his actions, but she trusted his heart. And, and what I want to tell you is that there, there, there will be times when, um, listen, there will be times when nothing that God is doing in your life makes sense at all to, to you in the moment. All right, if, you, if that hasn't happened to you yet, it will happen. Times when it just, what, what God is doing doesn't make sense at all. But listen, when you know who God is, when you know that this, this is the God who loved you enough to give his son to die in your place, when you know his character, you know his heart, let me ask you, could you just give God the benefit of the doubt? Just just trust him. There's a, there's a song Years ago, this song was very popular, and I just, I just love the words. So let, let me read a, a few of the lyrics for you. The song goes like this. All things work for our good, though sometimes we don't see how they could. Struggles that break our hearts in two sometimes blind us to the truth. Our Father knows what's best for us. His ways are not our own. So when your pathway grows dim and you just don't see Him, Remember, you're never alone. God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see his plan, when you can't trace his hand, trust his heart. Trust his heart. So, so what do we learn from this woman? Jesus uh, seemed to be very harsh in his treatment of her. I guess we shouldn't be surprised if we go through moments when it seems like that for us. But she had great faith. She had great faith. She, even when, when he seemed to be ignoring her, she just trusted, he's listening, he's listening, and he was. <laughs> even when it seemed like he, he was delaying and responding to her, she just had this confidence. He has a plan, you know, God has a plan for this. And even though she could not perhaps understand his, his reticence to help her, she knew who he was. She had heard who he was. She trusted his character, his heart. And I, I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you to trust God the same way. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this story in the, in the Bible. Um, thank you for the story of someone who responded to a time when your, uh, your, re your response to her did not seem to make a lot of sense, but she kept trusting. And so I would pray for, for us that if, if we are going through a time when perhaps we can't explain, it doesn't make sense what you're doing, that we would trust you. You are listening. You are listening. And you have a plan and you will work things out in your time. And we know your heart. You're the Father who loved us so much. You gave your son so that we could become your daughters and your sons. So we trust you. We love you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.